0: This is episode number 77 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Robbie Rowland, who is going to stop by and spread some absolute fantastic, fantastic content for you guys. Um, Robbie is currently a pitcher in the Texas Rangers organization, um, he has a unique story. He's bounced around all over the place. Was actually a third round pick in the Major League Baseball draft, and has been as high as Double A. Has been to independent baseball. Now he's back to affiliated baseball. He has a great outlook on life and very, very positive. Uh, very passionate about. Um, his diet and workout and explains um, what exactly he does for um, his workouts and why he eats the way he does. Um, He is the host of the Robbie Rowe Show, which is on iTunes as well, so make sure to go check that out. This episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is currently, hands down, without a doubt, the best bat sensor on the market. Um, I've been working with Blast Motion for a little while now and uh, been able to Um, spread the news, have been getting incredible feedback from many, many people who have decided to go buy a blast motion sensor. It's hands down the most affordable uh, technological gadget, I guess you could say, to help track your swing. There's so many other things out there, but they're so, so expensive. Um, Nothing beats blast motion, in my opinion, from just Um, Being able to set it up in in such a simplistic way and and use it, it's it's not that hard to use. and It's so easy to understand from being able to track your bat speed, how long you're on plane, your attack angle, which I think attack angle is probably the most important one, especially for um, high school kids, uh, younger kids even for that, um, to understand and to realize. Um, So make sure to head on over to BlastMotion.com, type in code PJB25 for $25 off. Here is Robbie Roland. And we now welcome on Robbie Rowland to the podcast. Robbie, you actually have a podcast yourself. Please, uh, kind of give everyone a little bit of background on how you got started with that podcast and, um, how that came about.
1: I just would like bring uh, cause like I was playing with guys that were in the big leagues and like had developed some pretty good relationships with those guys. And I was like, dude, how sick would it be with all this downtime? Cause we were playing day games cause of the hurricane. Um, and we'd come back after the game, like nothing to do. You weren't going to go to sleep at like five. So I was like, gosh, it'd be so cool to just sit here and talk more. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> so uh, I would just like bring guys, like a couple of my roommates were in the big leagues and, um, I'd bring a guy over and, uh, we just, it actually started with Instagram live. Like I wasn't even podcasting, like recording it at the time. I didn't know how. So we, I just go on Instagram live on my account. And uh, we'd just sit there and like I would be like the the Joe Rogan of the Instagram live, and we'd just talk and people started digging it. That's actually where I got a pretty decent following on Instagram too from doing those, and then uh kind of branched out into doing the podcast.
0: what's your um what's your feedback on Instagram? because I put up a lot of stuff on Instagram, a lot of hitting stuff, and man, yeah. i get I get a lot of just comments that they drive me insane. I mean. Yeah. I mean, what just? I put up a sixteen-year-old kid like hitting, and then the first first comment is, "He sucks." That's wrong. He sucks.
1: (laughs) That's wrong. Yeah. So, uh, and as you know, dude, my biggest uh, piece of advice advice I don't know why I said that word uh, for anyone like starting to get into social media is you have to have the thickest skin. Oh yeah. Because you're going to do things, and people are out to absolutely just demolish you like that's their sole intention and like bless their heart like i mean i'm sure they're not terrible people it's just when you're behind a keyboard you can say whatever you want kind of thing and um and that's what you know that's kind of the new cool thing i guess these days is to say something hateful um and and you know kind of start that The the beef, I guess, if you will, Um, which probably will never happen in person, right? Like I always kind of laugh at the fact like, okay, if I'm sitting there like long tossing at my park and I'm standing flat-footed, I'm throwing it over the fence at 330 feet, no one's going to be like, that fence is not 330. You know, no one's going to be the guy that goes like, Dude, I can throw farther than that, you know, like in person. But when it comes to, like Instagram, it's like, oh, dude, that's that's a little league field. Like this guy's weak. And it's just like, why are you even do it, man? I don't get yeah. it. But I mean, that's it, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I've I've always been the type of individual that you know walks to the beat of his own drum. Like I don't care what people think. I I uh, have a real thick skin, so. I mean, you could say I'm kind of cut out for it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, if if they make comments about me personally, like that's, that's all right. But I just, I don't like it when I put up a high school kid and then some 35-year-old, you know, comments oh, yeah. on the page. He's like, you know, how bad he is. I don't know. It's just social media is just not real life. It's just, it's tough for yeah. some high school kids because they don't realize that.
1: Yeah, dude. And that's yeah, I'd even think about that kind of angle because I was kind of looking at it like from my perspective. But yeah, I couldn't even imagine like because I do online pitching instruction, too. And I don't really post about it. um, But I, I, I couldn't imagine like how I would respond to one of my clients, you know, making really good progress. And um, especially since you know a starting point, and, and maybe we're like on month three in the process. And they and and in my eyes, they're they're succeeding, right? They're doing really well. They're taking the necessary steps to get better. And uh, I go to post something, and then you know there's these hateful comments. And of course, that kid's probably going to see it. And yeah, what does yeah, that do for his morale? You know what I mean? Especially since baseball is such a confidence game, and you need that confidence to kind of progress and take those next steps accordingly. So yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a tough business, but. You know, I can't even imagine what those you know what those big leaguers are like dude like they're celebrities you know guys that have just millions and millions of followers like you can't even you probably came and read your read your dang comments there
0: no I, I agree I've reached out to a couple couple guys I was trying to get on I'm like they're never gonna see this DM like what am I even doing
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is surprising dude because you think that and then you know they they respond or you know they you, they go on and, and they actually look at it um, at least from from my experience I don't know about yours
0: yeah yeah I mean it just depends I mean some guys I know some Definitely. some just yeah. some do have a gazillion followers so they're not gonna really know for sure yeah um, you were just talking about the mental game and pitching um, yeah. that I I always what it's so interesting to me because they always say how how mental the game of baseball is and then they always start talking about hitting. Right, hitters, you know how how mental it can be. You fail three out of ten got ten times. Pitching's yeah. pretty mental too.
1: Right. Yeah, dude. I think um it's <laughs> what is that quote, man? Uh, Yogi Berra, right? Ninety percent mental, fifty percent physical, or the other half physical. <laughs> right, right. Um but it's it's so true, man, especially like look at it in a in a in a full season aspect, and that's something that I didn't really know coming out of high school when I got drafted was because I loved baseball, right? Like growing up, dad played in the show. So when I was born, it was like we were just constantly around ball. And I just, dude, I loved it, right? Like everything about it I loved. And then as soon as I got into pro ball and this, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this and, and I don't want you to think like I don't love it anymore because I do, but there's just a different animal when you're doing it every single day. Yep. And um, when you have to wake up and the first thought in your mind is like, okay, we we play at 705. Or for me as a pitcher, you know, like, okay, I'm starting tomorrow. What's my routine look like? Okay, I just started yesterday. You know, where's the gym at or whatever? Um, So it's just a constant taxing, you know, mentally. And I think that's why I'm such a big proponent in um, escapes. um you know like making sure during a season that you you know you spend a day where you go to the movie and and you don't think about the game or you spend a day and you know with your boys just you know having fun by a pool or something like there's there's such a necessity in in you know stepping away from the game because it's like you said dude it's so mental and it's so mentally taxing sometimes especially when you're having to do it every single day but um but yeah i mean as far as like a performance side too Um, I think you see it every single day and, and granted you saw it, I think you saw it a lot more like decades ago when, you know, there were pitchers that were getting by at like 86, 88. I mean, now the average velocity has climbed up and, you know, I guess we can talk about that a little later, but, um, as far as like the mental side, you used to see like a lot of pitchers that were just so mentally strong, right. And they, they had that mental fortitude that they were better than the, the guy at the dish and they didn't have necessarily the best stuff. But I solely believe that since they were so strong mentally, you know, they they were able to succeed at
0: at the highest level. Were you a starting pitcher your whole life or out of the pen for the most part? Or what were you?
1: Yeah, dude, I've done both. I uh, obviously like coming out of high school, a high draft pick. I was a starter Um, started all the way up until 2014. um, And then they they sent me to the bullpen. Uh, with four in 14 when I was my last year with the pirates. And then in 15, I signed a free agent deal with St. Louis. And, um, that was like my first taste of like back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, like one inning, one inning change guy, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth, a lot of closed out a lot of games and dude, like that's something I fell in love with was that just different animal of coming in with the game on the line and like shutting the door. Um, and then actually when I got released by St. Louis in 17, right at a, right at a big league camp, I was like, dude, I, I want to go back and start. Um, cause I'm sure you've heard of it, like going to the indie ball route. Like it's, it's really hard to get back in affiliated ball, man, especially these days when everyone throws a hundred. So I was like, I, I'm going to go back starting. Um, maybe, you know, try to separate myself there. And I actually went back to starting in 17 and even, uh, and I even started, uh, this year in 18 too. So I've been both.
0: What's it like in the bullpen during the game? Cuz I've heard guys. Well, I know no guys cuz I coached college summer team. They they can do some some weird stuff in the bullpen.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, you're going to I want to I I've, I've had this idea for a little bit, dude, and uh I don't know if it'll it'll go by. It'll definitely pass in like indie ball, but I don't know about affiliated balls. I want to I want to strap like a GoPro to my head. And I want to just document, like, visually everything (laughs) we do in the pen, man. Because, like, you're out there, dude. And we kind of – we always correlate it to, like, zoo animals in a cage, right? You got your fans, and they come around – And especially like the little ones, right? Like they don't know what's happening. They just see a group of guys that are away from the actual playing field and they're in this cage, right? They're in this box. It's like we are zoo animals, you know? Like we got to do anything in our power to keep us entertained but at the same time keep us locked in towards the game. Um, there's a lot of space cadets out there. There's a lot of weirdos, but you gotta have that, right? Like you gotta you gotta be that type of guy, especially if you're in the pen, right? Like we have a lot of weirdly deep <laughs> conversations, uh, a lot of space talk, a lot of uh, would you rather games, you know, a lot of
0: a lot of uh, space talk.
1: Yeah, like we'll just like galaxy talk, dude. Like, do you believe in aliens? And then that'll dive down a rabbit hole of well in men in black there's this and do you believe in that then next thing you know it's the sixth inning they're radioing down rolling get hot and it's like all right guys
0: good talk i gotta go we'll see you from aliens to the mound yeah
1: from aliens to the mound just like yeah that so those are the type of things that goes on through my head
0: (laughs) so so are a lot of the guys um chewing tobacco drinking beer that sort of thing
1: no, you won't get guys drinking beer in the pen. I mean, unless it's a really low-level indie ball team. I mean, Bankos League. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> dude, you'll see that there. Uh, chewing tobacco, definitely. Seeds, gum. Uh, what else? Um, you won't. Uh, you'll see some guys eating some bugs for you know a couple hundred bucks. Um, eating dirt. Yeah, man, it gets uh, gets weird.
0: Man, what what's it like and this might I'm just cu- genuinely curious about this. I'm not trying to be mean, but what's it <laughs> what's it like to like take me through the process of getting released? I'm like I'm I've honestly always been curious like how yeah. how do they tell you?
1: Yeah, dude. So that's that's interesting. That's actually a really good conversation just because like it's something that you said like you, you know people don't want to just go up to you and ask that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a weird process, man. I've actually had the pleasure of being released twice in my career, so I can I'm, – I'm almost an expert now. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, it, I mean it's something that sometimes – it's funny because both times uh, in my career are two different dynamics. In 14, I got released at the – really like the tail end of the year, and I was I, – I sucked, right? Like I'm man enough to say that at this point, and I was at that point too. Like I, I wasn't throwing well. I was – I was dealing with a lot of like mechanical issues and you know, I mean, I remember like thinking to myself that it could have, it could happen, but they might just wait to the off season cause it was so close, you know, maybe three weeks left in the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it was just after a game, you know, like you're getting ready to go. I mean, this is personally, it varies for everyone on getting ready to go back home and, you know, you get the call like, hey, you know, so-and-so wants to see you. For me, it was like the the farm director, like big head honcho guy was in town that day or, you know, that week. So, you know, he was like, hey, so-and-so wants to see you. And I was kind of like, okay, this can't be good, right? Like I hadn't been throwing well. It's not like I'm going to get a promotion. You kind of see the writing on the wall at that point. I was, you know, 22 and low A. I don't think, you know, they're going to send me down to rookie ball after this. So and I walk in and it's like, hey, man, you know, like – you know, organizations decided to make a change. so and so's coming off the DL and they kind of run you through like the, the, the moves at that time to, you know, try to make sense for you, I guess, you know, that kind of like that coping mechanism, I guess. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. You, you're just like, just cut to the chase, dude. Like, yeah. At that, at that point.
1: Yeah, dude. And, and then, uh, as soon as like they give you the news, it's like, you know, we know you have your car here, get with, get with the trainer. He'll give you gas money to get home, you know, sign this paper. We'll, uh, and then he, and then the the pirates are real cool because like they were like hey we're gonna you know reach out to so and so with this team and and with that team see if they need anyone to finish out the year um and I was like you know and at that moment that's my first time being released and I was kind of like whoa dude like what do I do because you know it's it's a weird dynamic baseball is you know your whole life you know if you're doing it professionally and then all of a sudden you know you wake up that next day and it's like I don't have to go to the field
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, and for me, like I packed up my car and, and, and drove home and uh, it was nice, man. Like I honestly will say like I wouldn't have had this, the same amount of success that I had in, in 15 and 16 if I never gotten released, dude, because it gave me a whole different perspective on the game. You know, I was when I was younger, I treated it such like a business you know, and it was like, I have to perform, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then when I got released and, 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 you know, like things kind of fell into place for me to get signed again, it was a totally different outlook on the game. It was like, dude, I'm going to play this and, and just have fun. Like I get to play this game, you know, like I get to do these things and I get to put on this Jersey and not have to do anymore. And it was funny. Cause like when I started kind of approaching it with that mindset, you know, my, my, things changed in a, in a, in a greater way. You know, I started seeing more success and, um, started, you know, advancing levels. Um, but, uh, but, you know, going back to the release thing in 2017, it was my second, my second year in big league camp. Um, and I had just got sent down from camp. I think I was like second cuts, which was to be expected. And, um, I think I threw like one minor league game and, uh, and I was throwing well, you know, like I was coming off a really good winter ball season um coming off you know a, another free agent deal in which you know like it was a pretty good deal um for minor league free agents and i'm coming into camp like chest sticking out a little bit dude like feeling froggy and uh and yeah man i remember like they were like hey so and so wants to see you this was in spring training you know one morning obviously it's like 6 30 a.m and you know you haven't even eaten that first donut yet so i'm we, going in the office to see the, the big head honcho and like what is this about like you know for me with my loud personality i'm like gosh dude what i do like i must have done something i'm in trouble and uh so i get in the office and and yeah he was just like hey you know again the organization's decided to make a change we're not gonna uh, with the cardinals it was more of like hey we're not gonna we don't see you getting you know predominantly um what was it like? Big time innings this year, or something like that. I know it was in an inning scheme that they they saw I me mean, like not see fit, so they were like, "We're gonna, you know, release you right now uh, of your contract that you had signed for this year, and you know, we want to do this as soon as possible, so maybe we can get you, you know, to another organization." So I mean, like good intentions, right? Or so yeah, but say, is that
0: but is that complete BS? Because I mean, I hear that in indie ball all the time, like we're going to release you, but we'll make some calls for you too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, like I'm not the one to say uh, what it is and what it isn't, but all I can say is, um, you know, it it is what it is, right? Like at the same time, as much fun as the game is, it is a business. And the the guys that wear suits and nice clothes got to make those brash decisions sometimes, right? So like I fully, like I'm at that age now in my life where it's like, it makes sense, you know? I mean, granted, like it, didn't make sense or doesn't make sense for why I would got released, but just for making those, you know, tough calls sometimes it, you know, someone's got to go, right? Like you can't keep everybody. Um, so, you know, with that, with that being said, like that specific time in my, my career was like, dude, what is happening? Because, you know, i've said it before like i thought i was on like the cusp of the big leagues you know i had gotten to the invited to the arizona fall league the previous year um my first big league camp 16 and then 17 my second camp like i'm like dude like this is it like finally starting putting things together and then wham you know kind of blindsided by that uh and then, yeah, man, <laughs> the rest is history, <laughs>
0: man. Baseball. Oh, man. It just it's so crazy how quickly everything can turn around, either from good to bad or bad to good. And it's Dude, just it's such a like I, I, Let's go back to that part where you were talking about how once you stopped approaching it as a business and started to think of it just as having fun and playing a game that yeah. is so it sounds easy and, and you clearly did it, which is is awesome. That is yeah. so hard to do. So hard dude, to
1: do, dude. I mean, you're not kidding, man, because and I didn't realize that. Right. Like, I didn't realize, you know, kind of what you're saying is it's hard to do. Like, I didn't realize that when I because I'd go and tell people that. Right. Like, people are like, bro, like, all of a sudden, you, like, I'm having all this success and people like, dude, like, what would you change? Would you everyone wants to know? Like, what happened. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, man, I just started having fun, you know, and, and they're like, oh, oh, OK. You know, So I try to, like, encourage people like, hey, have fun. And it's, it's such a hard dynamic to, to get across when, you know, you just gave up four in two thirds, um, you know, of an inning and you're like, Hey, just have fun. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, you know, you're obviously, you're not going to have fun when it's your job. Um, and for me, like my life, uh, you know, and for me, dude, that kind of that whole year. And I blog about this a lot is like, I stopped putting my identity in the game, you know, and. Uh, What I mean by that is, like, I identified myself as such a baseball player growing up. And when I got drafted, um, it was like, okay, I'm Robbie the baseball player, right? Like, that's what I do. You know, even, like, in, in winter, fall time, like, I'm playing baseball or I'm thinking about it or I'm watching it or I'm writing about it or I'm reading about it, whatever. Like, I'm just, that's where my identity is. And I quickly learned that's a very faulty identity you have. Why? Because, okay, what happens when it goes south, right? Like, the game is not stable right like I mean you can be Mike Trout dude who's you know the hands down the greatest baseball player right now and dude he still goes 0 for 4 with three punches like how's his you know how's his frame of mind going to be after that specific game yeah I mean you can talk about like oh well he's in the big leagues he's making millions of dollars like yeah okay well I was in the minor leagues you know making zero dollars <laughs> and it was like You know, I'd still have a bad game or I'd even have a good game. And like, what am I going to do? Just ride that emotional roller coaster the whole way? Like, no, dude, like, no, that's not a great way to approach it. You got to stay like even keeled, like something my dad always said that stuck with me growing up. And this gets taken the wrong way sometimes as well with my, my personality. But like, if you show up late to a game, say you're at Dodger stadium, they show up in like the fifth inning and you know, I'm pitching and you don't look at the scoreboard. You can't tell if I've given up seven runs or if I'm throwing a no hitter by my mannerisms on the mound, like that's just the way it should be. You can't tell if the guy's over four or four for four, he should just be the same, right? Like that's kind of something that I pride myself on. And especially like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to identify myself as, you know, someone that has fun and, and tries to lift up others, then I have to be that every single day, right? Like every, every minute, like, but it's not hard because that's, that's who I am. And, um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, dude, it, it is very hard to say because no one wants to go out there and suck, right? Like we all want to go out and, and succeed and do well. And, you know, for some people do well enough to provide for families, right? That's kind of another angle that I never really thought of, you know, being a single guy and alone all the time. But like guys are going out there and like if they don't do good, like, and you're a pitcher, the guy at the dish, dude, that's hitting off you is taking food away from your family. Like that's, that's another thing. Like literally. that's. So yeah, dude. Like I mean, if you think of it that way, it's like holy crap. Um, so I hope you, don't, ast- hope you don't
0: eat very much though, because they, they don't pay very
1: well. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, but like think about it. Like go up to that guy, dude, who's got two kids and a and a wife, you know, going for a third in the minor leagues, and say, hey, oh for four guy, <laughs> just have fun, you know. Like it's a t- it's a different dynamic, you know. You like you got to... You got to and that's why I always kind of go back to you. You got to be whacked out in the head, dude. Like something's got to be wrong with you to be able to to have fun and, and find the joy in the little things when when things do go bad. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you know, no, it, it for sure does. I mean, I, I've seen guys who've been you know married and kids, and I don't know what to necessarily think of that. I know there's no way in hell I'd be doing that if I ever had a kid trying to play baseball, but. To each his own. I mean, I mean, he's chasing his dream, but it's just that's just a tough, tough lifestyle. It's taken
1: away. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 taken away a lot of uh, like my ex-teammate's career, Uh, and that's not said in a negative manner at all. Um, I I mean, more so in a in just a a very honorable manner. You know, like uh, I mean, I'm such a selfish individual. I guess sometimes I'm like I can't even get a girlfriend right because I wouldn't want to put her through what i have to be you know what i have to go through right like it's such a roller coaster of a ride like i can't imagine having a wife and a kid and multiple kids whatever that's something that my dad and mom had to do growing up and uh, i think that's kind of the the way i am you know today is because i saw at an early age kind of how difficult it was for them but but yeah like i was saying man like i've seen teammates in like good solid grinders, man, like say, you know, I can't come back. Like I, we can't afford it. You know, like we physically cannot do it at this point in time. And, that's so uh, sad.
0: And it's a shame that Major League Baseball doesn't do something about it.
1: It's tough. You know, it really is, man. And that's, you know, that gosh, that could be a whole nother podcast, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, but it's just the truth. I mean, you can't live off of you know a thousand dollars a month two thousand dollars a month i mean how can you possibly and that's just during the season you got to find yeah. another job in the off season
1: yeah and you know what dude they stopped like i mean at least you know some of the places that i've been at they stopped doing like host families okay. and that was always something yeah man that was always something that was like dude I mean you know how it is man it's the real world 2018 like rent's high yeah <laughs> rent is high man and I mean it varies depending where you are like I'm in California right now so obviously like it's really high but uh but yeah man it's rent's high and and I know when I went to indie ball it was kind of like the first time in my career um and this is shoot 2017 and they were like hey we do host families and uh I was like oh okay what's that like and I was like, "Oh, I don't have to spend the 600 dollars a month on rent. Like I actually get to keep some of my paycheck. Like it, dude, it helps out so much."
0: What'd you like uh or how'd you like playing in the Frontier League? That's a good league.
1: Dude, I'm going to I'm going to say this in no disrespect to affiliated baseball. Indy ind, independent baseball is the funnest time that any player that loves the game will have. It's hands down. Um Unless you're like a big leaguer, right? That can essentially do whatever he wants. (laughs) But, uh, the frontier league was good, man. It actually took me time to adjust because everything's turf, you know, like the mounds were turf. Um, that was a weird dynamic pitching in turfs and kind of you know especially if it rained like having some slidage or something that was that was just weird and uh, but you get used to it like all things you know like athletes adapt it's what we're told to do so but as far as the league man it was good and uh, it's funny like I've played in some brutal places in my career right like at, I'm going on year ten now and um, you know <laughs> we were I don't know if you ever seen you know Mary Southern Illinois Miners but we were. Dude, oh, oh. we were spoiled, man. Like our locker room was huge. We had leather, leather, freaking seats. You know, a full kitchen. The tur- the mound, or uh, sorry, the stadium was just amazing. Like I had access to the kitchen at the stadium. I'd go in and grill my steaks. Like, dude, are you kidding me? That's the best setup in the league.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Indy Bowl is it is it is different. You know, a lot of people don't. They kind of they don't really understand independent baseball. Um, I kind of like when I explain it, it's it's either a first, a second or a third chance for someone to make it to the major leagues to get back into Philly to baseball or to get there the first time. And yeah. what 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 was the competition um, equal to? Because you play, you know, you played a ball, you play double A. Yeah, uh, you've been yeah. in big league camp. What would you say the Frontier League is kind of uh, similar to?
1: So there's always like a couple different dynamics going into that is because sometimes you have your guys that, you know, went to a small college and got overlooked and now they just need a place to play, you know, to get seen. Right. And those are your typical like maybe two, three, four hitters. And those guys can hit, man. Like, you know, throw those guys in double A. They're, they're going to be around 250 um, average. Uh, but I would say the biggest noticeable difference for me as a starter in that league and. Again, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not a cocky individual. I'm just kind of, you know, saying how I how I dealt with it was, if I'm a starter, like I know innings, you know, uh, two and three, and uh, you know, five and six are going to be fairly easy because when I get six, seven, eight, nine in the lineup, or maybe sometimes even like five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, like I don't have to, you know, go O two and then bounce two and then you know get three two. Like I can go, you know attack 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 and stay in attack mode whereas you know for me in in double a and and i never i never started in double a i only came out of the pen in double a but you know i just know from 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 experience in double a like you know mostly you know one through nine you're you're having to you're having to grind out you know there's no there's you're not taking pitches off is what I'm trying to say you know yeah you gotta be yeah
0: long. i understand did you see a lot of guys like a lot of turnover where guys would come in and get like 10 at bats and then get released
1: yeah, dude. There's that. I mean, indie ball is a cutthroat business, man. That's um, just that's just the way it is. Uh, there's guys that come in, dude, and don't even get in that bat. <laughs> you know, if like, so so look at it this way. Like, look at it. If you're a manager in indie ball, right? Um, you know, s- somewhere out of the blue, the Brewers decide to release, you know, a second baseman in rookie ball who's 21 and they just released him maybe cuz he had like on uh, off-field issues or whatever. So our manager sees that after having just signed a second baseman and goes, "Uh sorry dude, like this guy is kind of better than you. Like we're going to we're gonna, we got to go and get him. We got to get him quick cuz he's probably going to be off the board in a minute." And uh so they go get him and then, you know, they call homeboy into the office like, "Hey, look, sorry, but you know, this guy came available." You know? I mean, that's got kind of uh, I don't know if you play fantasy baseball, but I guess that's the way you know like I look at it like <laughs> always on the uh the waiver wires
0: yeah, I've never played fantasy baseball but um i I definitely can see exactly exactly what you're talking about. Are you a driveline guy a weighted ball guy that's always a big topic for pitchers.
1: Yeah, that is a big topic. I actually have gotten a, a lot of views like I I would post stuff on like my Instagram uh about that. So, I had bone spur surgery in February of 2016. And coming back, like it was a scope, like it's a, you know, a 2 or 3 month recovery time, like nothing, you know, career threatening, but for some reason, dude, like I wasn't coming back. Like I wasn't uh recovering properly. And, uh, I was kind of getting frustrated because, you know, it's the tail end of the season and I'm like already signed a contract to go play winter ball. And I'm like, I got to do something, man, because I can't keep popping these freaking Advils and anti-inflammatories. So that was kind of right around when driveline was, you know, approaching affiliated baseball and, you know, guys were doing it in, in affiliated baseball. And, uh, So I was like, why not? You know, like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm not going to feel any worse at this point, I feel like, unless I, you know, obviously got another surgery. But it didn't happen. Uh, So I, you know, purchased the plyo care balls. And it was just the plyo care balls at the time, right? Like, they didn't have, like, the weighted baseballs, per se. And uh, so, like, I dove into the research. Like, I'm not going to do anything. Um, if I don't really understand the science behind it, you know, that's kind of something I pride myself on as well. And, and you know, all the literature on it just made sense, right? Like I had a few co- conversations with, with Kyle and, um, I'm actually trying to get him on my podcast right now, but, uh, and, uh, he's a busy super, man. Yeah. He's super busy, man. And he was, just, he, you know, I was getting, I was trying to get him right before he was leaving to Mexico. So it didn't work out. But anyways, uh, super intelligent guy, right? Like that's no secret. Um, And so when, when him and I would have a conversation, it was just like, yeah, I mean, that does make sense, right? Like I can apply this and I can visualize it. Like I, I have a painted picture of how this looks. And then, uh, it was like, it was a cool experiment because I started it like the day that I went to Puerto Rico and, uh, it was kind of cool to like, you know, see the progress. And anyways, uh, sorry, I, I ramble a lot, but long story short, like, yeah, that's when I started doing like the plyo care balls. And the only thing that I would do them for was to warm up. And I would do the full plyo care warm-up series, you know, the rockers, the step-ins, the walk-in wind-ups, pivot picks, you know, reverse throws. And, like, I'd do that before I threw. And, uh, like, after a week or so, man, like, after a week or two, uh, like, I started feeling really good. You know, I was recovering really well. Um, I think that was the biggest thing, honestly, that was eye-opening was, dude, I, was, I would come in and, like, at that time in my career, I was, like, the bridge guy. We had an eighth, ninth inning guy that dude, they were nasty, and uh, so I was like, you know, if the starter got in trouble, like, I would kind of bridge to the setup guy at that point, and uh, I would go, like, two and change, one and change sometimes, and and then be ready to rock, like, the next day, and that's something as a reliever, dude, like, you have to have, and um, so, yeah, anyways, like, I, I guess you consider, you, you can call me, like, a driveline guy, right, like, quote-unquote, like, I did the, the, the plyo care balls, like, I, I still do, actually, sometimes, I do them way less now, um, I just, you know, I don't, Uh, it's not that I I don't like them anymore, but they did their job for that time being, you know, and maybe it's something that I could always go back to. Um, I'll I'll always carry like around a backpack with like all my uh, with all my my goodies, I guess you could say. You can you can find that on my on my Instagram. Um, There's a there's a video of me going through my backpacks, got like my J bands, my driveline balls, my wrist weights, you know, my rosin, my (laughs) bullfrog, my taldra, like all that stuff. But yeah, like I still carry them around in my backpack, you know, um, I think they just, for me personally, like they serve such a good purpose for like the warm up. you know, and and making sure that you're not like touching a real baseball until you're completely warmed up and ready to rock. Um, actually my throwing partners get kind of mad at me because I warm up with them. And, uh, and then as soon as like I go to play catch with my throwing partner, like I take three throws and I'm already out to like 200 feet. Like I'm just so warm, like I'm ready to rock. Um, but I never had messed around too much with like, um, and by too much I mean not at all with like weighted ball pull downs, underload, overload balls. Like I never did the run and guns um, with with uh, heavier variation baseballs. I'll, on the I never long toss with those. Um, you know or underload I've seen some some guys have a lot of success with them um, and I've also seen guys you know have Tommy John from them so who am I to say that if, it, if it's right or wrong is I that,
0: think, would you but but do you know for sure it's because of them
1: oh that's that's what I'm saying it's like you can never really you know pinpoint one thing all you can really do in that instant is like okay here's player a right this is his career up to this date. Okay, well, what do we look at his medical history? Never gotten hurt. Um, and, okay, same player, does driveline protocols, and, you know, six months later, okay, blew out his UCL. And again, like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, it's a direct correlation, right? But we just, we have to look at what's, what's on paper and what's on, uh, you know, what it shows. But I will say, at the same time, I've seen numerous guys, same guy, right? Like, player A, um, you know, Track record in the minor leagues, maybe decent, but never a stuff guy, right? And what I mean by stuff guy is eye-popping stuff, right? Like high-velocity, high-spinning slider, whatever. Um, And then drive line protocols for X amount of months comes back. All of a sudden, he's, you know, at a, you know, at, at a mid 90s clip, added, you know, 450 RPMs to his breaking ball. And, again, like that's one of those things where like, okay, is that a correlation to a different strength program or is that a correlation to weighted balls? Like it's all about the individual. And that's what I tell guys like that, you know, some of my clients is like, look, I can't tell you what to do or what not to do. You have to become aware of your body and what your body responds very well to. And uh, and what I mean by that is just taking note of things that you do throughout your day and how your body reacts to it. Right. Like it could be broken down to just simple recovery protocols, you know, after a two inning outing. Um, and then, you know, doing like a little screening the the next day, like, oh, wow, I feel really good. Okay. What I do. Okay. Let's stick with that routine. Right. And then, and carrying it over. Um, sorry. Like I, I definitely, uh, just started blabbering about that. No, no, no,
0: no. (laughs) I'm, I'm just, I was just curious. And I, I think you brought up a good point when you, when you start talking about the injuries and, and weighted balls. And from what I've heard, again, I'm not, you know, I haven't done the weighted ball program, but. I've heard that that if you don't do them properly, like you don't follow the protocol, you don't do the all the throws the right way, that's when you can really get into trouble. So you really have to have someone there to like yeah teach you the proper mechanics and when to do it and how to do it, and just kind of just to watch over you and and that's just my opinion from what I've heard from people um who I trust, um, yeah, do you think the same same thing?
1: Yeah, dude, I, w- I would say you're not wrong, right? Like uh, I had uh, I had Dean Jackson on my podcast, and he was an excellent uh, excellent guest um, for just kind of really shedding light on the fact that we live in a dangerous time with um, youth athletes being very well connected to social media. And so, what I mean by that is, like, I can go on. So, say, you know, I'm little Timmy, twelve year old Timmy, that's looking to get into you know, uh, strength training or, or weighted balls or whatever, I can go on Instagram and I have access to a plethora of videos all about that. And then little Timmy goes, oh, I can I could do that, right? Like that's the first thing you think of if you're an athlete and you're stubborn and you're competitive. <laughs> so you go, okay, I can do that. And then he goes and does it and, you know, doesn't have a proper screening, doesn't have like the proper mechanics, techniques, whatever you want to call it. Next thing you know like he's um he so what's happening is he's putting load on an area that's not even particularly strengthened nor mobile, so then that's where you kind of get into into a dangerous you know pattern um because I think you've at first that you there's you know another uh, long talk that we can maybe talk about later, but you have to have like a foundation um i think set before you you really dive into anything of that kind of magnitude but um but yeah man like if you really like think about it or if i think about it i can't even imagine if i had like instagram youtube was popular as it is now when i was in little league bro like <laughs> i'd be doing all sorts of crazy stuff man yeah, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> i oh, mean that's just it's, the way it's similar it, it's similar to hitting the only difference is you really can't get hurt you can't get hurt from like trying out new hitting drills, right? Versus the pitching side. You start throwing these weighted balls around as a, as a youth pitcher, like, experimenting. Eh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, dude. So, uh, uh, another story, like I, uh, I didn't even realize like, I don't, I guess I did, I, I, I wouldn't say more harm than good, but like I did a little harm. Uh, so when I was unsigned after I got released my first time, I, uh, you know, like, are you familiar with like Alan Jaeger and his long toss yeah. program? Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, like I, I came into contact with him, like awesome dude, trying to get him on my podcast as well. And, um, and, uh, I was like, Hey, you know, what do you got on uh, 400 feet long toss? Like you know, what's the correlation to mound velo, right? Ball speed. And he's like, well, you know, according to like the science, it, you should be throwing a hundred. And I was like, okay, 400 feet. I can get to that. I've always been like a long toss guy. 400 uh, feet. Something. Right. So like that was something I always like prided myself on. Right. It was like my dad up, uh, uh, caught Roger Clemens and Clemens was always like a guy that was big into long toss. So that was kind of who I like established my routine from. <laughs> And, uh, so all through high school, like I would, I would be foul pole to foul pole, and I never really measured it. Right. The only time I'd measure it is if I went to a football field and threw it, you know, from uh, over the goalpost, over the goalpost. Um, so anyways, it's, it's the off season, right. And I'm still trying to get signed. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to showcase my skills? And, uh, at this point I was like, you know, I got to that frame of mind, like F it, dude, I'm going to put everything I have into training. And uh, come up with kind of like my makeshift training program. And, anyways, back to the Jager thing. Like I would film videos of me long tossing, and it was kind of a cool progression because I remember starting out like 320, and I was like, okay, we're gonna just keep going. And I would film once a week: 320, 340, 360, and then like 390. And then, um, you know, one film that I put on YouTube was me throwing at 400, and uh, and then like, you know, two weeks later it was 420 feet and what i'm getting at now is i'd see kids like comment on this like hey like you know i went to long toss and now my arm hurts right <laughs> you know, like i went to do what you're doing basically yeah, and now, lot, my sho- <laughs> now my shoulders broken and it's like crap dude like i didn't even think about going on youtube and writing a disclaimer like hey i'm freaking 65 230 like i can obviously handle this right like um but anyways, dude, that was kind of that was something that was eye opening to me because it's like, wow, we, we there's so much access to these videos. And, you know, I'm sure you saw like when Michael Kopech made his debut, the first video you saw was him pulling down an underload ball, three ounces or three and a half ounces at one hundred and ten. And now, you know, what are you going to do as a kid? Oh, Michael Kopech, like, look at him. He's jacked. Great hair. Good looking dude. Throws one hundred in the big leagues. I guess I'll just do what he does, right? Simple as that. Simple math. Uh, I didn't go to college, but it makes sense to me.
0: Boy <laughs> well, like uh was it Ray Black too with the with the Giants when, when he yeah. was trying to get back, he got signed from doing, you know, having a radar gun, say throwing into a net, wasn't it something like oh, that? Oh, that
1: was uh that was um uh, uh he was actually a, a uh he was a cardinal. Um Yeah, the, yeah. Uh is he still playing? Stock, Robert Stock. That's He's who with it was. the Padres. Okay, He's in the big league. That's right. Yeah, he's the, he's in the big leagues now.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot who it was. Yeah. That's but, uh that's same, same with Black, though.
1: No. Same with Black. He was uh, – I think he was a two-time injury guy. And he was in the fall league the year I was in the fall league, bro. He was sitting one bill. Like, he was sitting 100, hitting 105. Like, of course I'm going to model my training regimen after that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's just – he's doing it right, right? Like, I've always said this, right? Okay, who's the hardest thrower? Like, I mean – uh, you know, like a Jordan Hicks. You familiar with Jordan Hicks? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I played with Jordan, right? And okay. uh, he, he's a great story because, um, and don't like super quote me on this. I've seen him, I saw him pitch like one or two times and he was like 90, 93, maybe 91, 93, 90, maybe a 94 in there. And now he's the hardest throw in the big leagues, right? Like I just saw his stat cast information. He averages 100 miles an hour. I've always said like if that kid, Right or any hard thrower, Chapman, a few years ago, goes out and publicly says, "Hey, for velocity, I grab a barbell and I spear throw it uh, as far as I can." You'll have <laughs> you'll have like eighty percent of not only the youth, but you'll have the coaches too. Oh, I'd be going at- downstairs in my basement <laughs> getting one <laughs> right That's now. That's what I'm saying. Like they have the power to like do that because of what they're showing on TV. Or what they're showing on the mound, right? Like they That's just a have good
0: that. point. That's a good
1: point. I know. And it's so dangerous, right? Because, you know, we have that responsibility as top tier athletes to be like, look, you know, I'm going to post this stuff uh, for me personally. I-, I can't speak for anyone else, but I post my stuff to inspire people. You know, I-, I post my stuff to motivate people because I know if I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm not doing anything, Um, and I see a guy, you know, pulling 425 from the floor and grunting. I'm like, that's it. I'm off. You know, like I'm, I'm off the couch. Like my shoes are on, like I'm out the door. Like, let's go. I'm going to the gym. I'm fired up. And that's kind of like how I take my, my posting. But at the same time, like it's, it's a dangerous game to play because, you know, like I said, dude, you, 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 if you, if you showcase your skills to a magnitude of, of something respectable, uh, then, then people are going to follow that, right? So, I mean, you know, talk all you want about how athletes have this unique platform, and uh, you know, uh, very dangerous at the same time.
0: When I was looking at your Instagram feed, speaking of that earlier, seems like you eat. have like a certain diet you you go by. Oh yeah, so that's another really dangerous thing.
1: <laughs> that's a, that's I probably get more crap about my diet and my nutrition than I do like baseball related. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so take take me through like what like what's the what's the game plan here? It's just protein twenty four seven or what? Uh, I mean, you could say that, dude. I'm, I'm,
1: so, dude. I am the most like experimental, self-experimental individual there is, you know. <laughs> and, and I say that, and I didn't even realize this until one of my buddies said it. Uh, he's like, dude, you got to be careful saying that because someone's gonna think like you're taking steroids because you're quote-unquote experimental. I was like, okay, look, it has nothing to do with that. It's, you know, more of like nutrition, food, training, whatever. But, um, yeah, man, I got super into what's called the ketogenic diet, which is going to blow up, in my opinion. Um, it's now actually getting some heat from, like, top V, like top velocity. I don't know if you heard of Brent What's, it, what's the
0: diet called again?
1: It's the ketogenic diet. So it's a, it's a high-fat, low-carbohydrate, moderate-protein diet. I put a little twist on it because, you know, I'm a professional athlete, so my carb intake can be a little higher. So the, uh, the premise behind the diet is um you want to get into what's called ketosis and ketosis is what's happening in your liver when you deplete your body of glucose right and and we know from from just science that glucose is the combination of like carbohydrates and sugar so you know when when someone needs energy we you know with a standard american diet we go to carbs or like a sugar substance right to give us that that little boost um so when we deplete our body of that what happens is uh our liver starts producing these ketone bodies and these ketone bodies now go throughout you know your body and give you just this abundant amount of energy if who is ever listening is like pretty intrigued with that you know I, I highly recommend you guys go google it uh check it out worth a google um so you don't have to hear me blabbering about it cuz I'm pretty passionate about it but um but yeah, man, like there's different forms. Like I know the Atkins thing, I mean you probably understand, like heard of that. That's that's a popular form of like the ketogenic diet where you're not eating carbs. Um, you know, you're losing – guys. people are losing weight uh, fairly fast because once you get into ketosis, you know, you're – you get into a metabolically uh, faster, I guess, rate um, and uh, you're using – fat intake right so you're crushing fats right you cut fatty cuts of meat uh coconut oils avocados um you know just a lot of fat uh in your diet which is very tasty i might add and uh you lose weight that way so i mean like outside looking in you're kind of like whoa dude that's crazy you know why wouldn't why would an athlete want to do it well for me when i dove into it i had just gotten hit in the face so i knew i was going to be down for a little bit and I was like, I'll just dive into this thing. Like it looks fun, whatever. And uh, I started noticing, dude, like the anti-inflammatory properties of it were just outstanding. You know, like I like I said before, I was the guy constantly having to worry about you know ibuprofen um, pain offs because you know, I was I was pitching a lot. Something that athletes do, we tax our body. And as soon as I got on this diet and I kind of dove down the rabbit hole of everything that it entails. I started noticing, dude. Like my recovery game was just crazy. Like I was, I mean, I would throw in, in Puerto Rico this last year, dude. I was throwing like three days in a row, day off, three days in a row, day off, day, you know, like three on one off. Like it was crazy, man. And I was able to sustain that, um, you know. And, and it's direct correlation to just the diet, uh, me personally, right. And and this goes back to the whole know your body type thing, right? Because what works for me. Um, you know, could possibly not work for you or do the opposite for you, right? Like everyone's different and everyone's got different variables, but that's the beauty of it, right? So, um, but it's cool, man. So what I'm in right now and the pictures you probably saw is it's my bulking phase, right? So like the off season before winter ball, you know, I'm aiding an injury. So, you know, obviously the training is going to be toned down a little bit, but uh, it's my bulking phase. So I just cut and uh, I I cut doing a carnivore diet, which is only animal products. I cut like three percent, four percent body fat uh, in a span of a month, and drop like eight pounds in a month. And now I'm I'm back into my bulking phase where I'm trying to get up to like two forty five, two fifty uh, in a span of like two to three months. So what I'm doing is what's called a cyclical to ketogenic diet. So you stay into a ketogenic phase, um, you know, for a few days, you get, you get the benefits of being in ketosis, right? Like you get the cognitive benefits, you get, you know, the anti-inflammatory properties. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll carb backload by, you know, crushing a dinner, you know, after, three days of being pretty strict keto, which is essentially low carb, and I'll, I'll crush, you know, like 300, 350 grams of carbs with, you know, 250, 300 grams of protein and, um, you know, and, and seeing like how my body's responded. It's just for me, it's hard to bulk when I'm not eating carbs. Like, I need that that water retention. I need the muscle glycogen stores um, pretty much fully capped at all times. Like I'm doing three to four workouts a day. Granted, like the weight isn't as high as I would like it because of this injury, but I'm still, you know, I'm burning like 5,000, 6,000 calories a day. So obviously my food intake has got to be way up there. If I'm trying to go you know, to a 2000 calorie surplus, um, but anyways, I'm a total geek about all that stuff. Sorry for boring you. But uh but yeah, that's for me to do that stuff like super fascinating.
0: No, I mean that's that that is that is fascinating and I when I was playing indie ball a couple years ago, in the off season, I tried to get on like the, the caveman diet, paleo whatever you want to call it. Oh, I yeah, damn yeah. near passed out. Like I had to have carbs. I was so low on energy. It yeah. was it was the, one of the most miserable things
1: Yeah, so there's an adaptation phase, man, and that's something that no one, like like everyone doesn't realize that, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's just a diet, Um, I'm going to feel better immediately, right, because that's how propaganda makes it out to seem anytime they push a new fad diet across, but this is actually a sustainable lifestyle, man, you got to look back to our warrior ancestors and how they would typically eat, like the the ketogenic diet isn't a fad diet because it's been around for (laughs) 25 million years because that's just the way you know the argument is that's the way humans were you know supposed to eat with high amounts of fats and you know not not a lot of you know processed uh carbohydrates you know like man-made food if you will but uh but yeah man you're a glucose burner right like you're a sugar burner you've been doing it for x amount of years uh it's not just all of a sudden gonna feel great right there's an adaptation your body needs to go through first what happens is you start limiting your, your carbohydrate intake, right? So your glucose in your body starts being depleted, right? Slowly, but surely it's not going to happen overnight. Yes. You know, training helps aid in that, but, uh, but it's a process, you know? And then finally, like probably where, where you were at in your, um, process was you were probably just getting at that, you know, look at it like a gas tank, right? You were probably just getting that empty. So your body was fighting so hard to utilize the, that remaining glucose, That uh, you were just like, whoa, dude! Like, I feel crappy. You know, this sucks. But if you would have just, you know, grinded it out, threw in some pink Himalayan salt, upped your potassium, magnesium intake, and exercised in crushed water, then your body will recognize, like, okay, we don't have any glucose here left. What else can we use for fuel? Oh, look at like, look at this fat. Oh man, this fat that I'm burning is freaking great. Like now. My energy is capped through the roof. Like it's a totally different. Like you got to think of it like putting a, you know, different engine in a car, right? Like, I mean, if you're for me, I'm I'm driving a, a V4 Toyota Camry, right? So my Toyota Camry is like a glucose burner, right? And I'm, and I'm, cru- I'm cruising. I, I'm not, you know up in the, the miles per hour too much, you know, I'm going 80, maybe 90 on a, on a good day downhill. Uh, but if I change my fuel source and get like a higher capacity engine in there, like say like a V six or a V eight, like now I can burst through that plateau and, uh, I know it's a terrible analogy, but that's kind of the way, the way, I perceive it. But anyways, yeah, there's an adaptation phase in there for your body to kind of take like, for me, it was only a day because I'm so active, you know, like that helps, uh, aid in, um, you know, getting rid of that, uh, remaining glucose in your body. Uh, but yeah, man, that's me totally geeking out right now in my blue light blocking glasses. So it's fitting.
0: So, so when you're done playing baseball, like would you consider going and like being a nutritionist or like, well, what do you want to do when you're done playing baseball?
1: Oh, good question, man. Um, so that's interesting. I wouldn't want to go back to school to be a nutritionist. The only reason, because everything that I know now about like ketosis, fat burning, um, like fasting, intermittent fasting is a big thing that I do. Um, you know, the, the, the essentially like the, the man-made foods that are so bad for you and, um, the grain industry, like all those things that I know now that like the nutritionist schools would try to teach me. I I could not cope with that. Like I I would not be able to do that. Um, and that's not me being disrespectful and saying like, Hey, I know more than you, but it's just like, look, this is what's worked for my body. I'm not going to try to learn this and then teach it to someone else. My goal uh, something that I'm also very passionate about is like weight training, strength building, you know, and how to apply that to optimize your performance on the mound or, you know, on the field or whatever. Uh, or even just optimize everyday health, you know, wellness. Um, so I think something that I, I look into doing, you know, when I'm done is I always want to be around the game. I love the game of baseball. But I think what would also be a cool little mixture in there is if I got some sort of certification in being able to be a, like a hands on sports trainer, uh, sports. Coach, sports strengths coach, whatever uh, you want to uh, categorize it as. And and being able to know what I know um, within my baseball background. So say I got an athlete, right? And this is kind of something that I already kind of do with my uh, remote training business. Um, so say I got an athlete, right? And, and uh, I can just see by what I know from being a pitcher for X amount of years. Like, okay, he has deficiencies in his – his back ankle you know so the ankle that's literally the ankle that's driving all the force into the ground i know from looking at him that he has weak ankle stability so now what i can do is i can take that athlete bring him into the training room and now i can go through a series of exercises with little timmy to strengthen his ankle mobility so once that ankle mobility strengthened we can reassess now on the mount and that's something obviously not going to happen overnight these are corrective exercises that maybe we can implement over time but it's just being able to identify deficiencies within the mound, like what he's doing on the mound, and then applying that to how we can better optimize that in the weight room, right? So it's not like this guy is going into the weight room just to do workouts on Instagram that he saw you know, last night and wrote him down. And uh, that's going to not help aid anything within his pitching career or his baseball career. They're just going to make him look better maybe for with his shirt off. But uh, if he wants to be a, a big league pitcher, there's protocols that we need to we need to take there. But uh, yeah, man, that's something that I've 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 become very passionate about. And obviously, like you can throw you know nutrition in there, right? That's kind of something that I've even thought about branching off on my website as far as you know my 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 client intel is like, hey, if you're interested in you know a proper nutrition, um, you know a disclaimer, <laughs> you know I'm not a certified anything. I have no background in this but i i've done plenty of research because i'm a perfectionist and i'm not going to talk about something unless i am absolutely sure in the matter um so if you're interested like let's do it so that's something moving forward that i've become passionate about and i can definitely see myself doing because at the end of the day like you know i want to be doing something in life that i am passionate about
0: when you were talking about screening your athletes um See, for like, from a hitter standpoint, like, I don't know if you've heard of like TPI. You know, a lot of, a lot of that, mm-hmm. a lot of these days, like becoming TPI certified as a hitting coach is is um, really helpful, just to be able to, to see, you know, like you said, the deficiencies, you know, in their body and things like that. But you have to be there to perform the screening. So how? So you don't have to be there, essentially, to
1: no. No, because I think technology these days, man, like I don't even need to be there for my like online pitching cl- lessons. You know, like I think these are these are just things that if, if someone films it, like it's almost better uh, for me to, to get the video and then be able to like slow it down. Right. Because the human eye can only perceive so much. Oh, and I yeah, definitely
0: agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's nice. It's nice to be able to be hands on. Right. Like that's the big thing. And that's the big takeaway from excuse me, not being there. But, um, as far as the screening goes, you know, I I mean, I can, I can send a video to an athlete and be like, Hey, do these movements. And I go into my movements, you know, I do a lunge, I do a squat, I do a hinge, I do a, a bird dog, I do, um, you know, single leg RDL, I do a deadlift, I do a side lunge, you know, I do a plank, I do a shoulder tap, um, What's another one that I could do? I guess I can do like side planks, see ab strength. Um, but yeah, I mean, I essentially just have him record himself doing all like these variations of exercises, and just through that and looking at it on my on my phone, uh, I can tell like okay, when this guy goes up, um, you know, knee to chest, he is very unstable, right? So that goes back to the ankle mobility thing. Or if this guy goes into a reverse lunge and his knee on his uh on his way up is shaking then then we know that we have some single leg deficiencies right so now we can take all these deficiencies that he may have and work on those right and then uh, with that being said like some of the things that he does really well uh those are something that maybe we don't put a lot of emphasis on in, in in his training protocols um, so yeah, man, I mean, it all, it kind of all goes into it, right? Like my big thing is designing a program specifically designed for the athlete, right? Not just having this cookie cutter program and going, Hey, here you go, bud, go get them. It's like, okay, I'm not going to tell this guy to pull, uh, or deadlift, you know, um, over and over again, if he's already pulling like 500 off the floor, it's like, okay, what are we accomplishing here? You know, like, no, man, like if he's weak in a single leg RDL, then let's focus more on that. You know, if he's really weak in, in, in eccentric movements, like let's work on that. So it's all about, um, again, this is like future talk, right. For something that I'm, I'm passionate about doing maybe later in my life, but, um, it's being able to notify or, uh, determine these things and, uh, come up with a program that's specifically designed for that athlete's optimization
0: for sure i mean i love it you're definitely passionate about that which i love to see i really do um yeah, yeah. how so you're you're 26 right uh i'm actually 18 wait am i 26 <laughs> <laughs>
1: mentally or physically because <laughs> uh,
0: mentally we'll go mentally 18
1: yeah Well, uh, mentally yeah 50 <laughs> <laughs> how many yeah, more, how many
0: more years do you see yourself playing Uh I got about let's go I got
1: uh I wanna say fifteen. Uh fifteen years respectively. Um just because I I put too much uh I put too much emphasis on on you know the 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 recovery protocols and the nutrition and uh things that I do for my body to not feel great, right? And these are all results pending, but um, you know obviously it's something that i'm very passionate about and can do for as long as my body allows me to you know and i am sitting here talking and you know i just suffered a uh, injury that took me off for the rest of the year so it kind of stinks but um you know as far as just waking up every day and feeling the way i do like dude i get up at 3:30 in the morning like i'm ready to rock you know i mean just an understanding that my body wants to do these things you know my body responds very well to high loads and knowing that and knowing that i've trained for that it's like what are the limits right so if i'm going to sit here and say yeah i got about three more years left in my arm like okay now i've just put a mental cap on my (laughs) you know on my on my physical body so i can't do that but if i give you a number that's respectable and something that i thoroughly believe in doing then i've pretty much checked both boxes right so um yeah man in all honesty you know I, i think 15 it will give me 24 years professionally um you know god willing you know that happens and god willing that i am able to put a jersey on for that long but i'll try to find a way
0: that's awesome dude i mean it's so it has nothing to do with you making it to the big leagues or anything like that at all yeah i mean that's always the end goal right like <laughs> um being you, you uh, that's everyone's got different
1: motives right it's funny i had um I had Adam Eaton on my podcast, Outfielder for the Nationals, um, played together my first year. And and I was like, dude, what is up with your car obsession? (laughs) Because he's always posted like super dope cars on his Instagram and stuff. And he goes, dude, at a young age, I saw a super sweet Corvette and I told myself like that was that's what I was going to buy. You know, like now I need to get to the big leagues to be able to afford that. So that's like his motivation, right? Like to get to the big leagues to afford that Corvette. Now he's got it. And it's like, that's great. That's great. And everyone's got their different motivations. But... My motivation uh, for playing this game is uh, a. Obviously, you want to do something you love, right? Um, Thoroughly through and through, you want to do something you love, and uh, you know I've been so blessed to be able to do that. Um, But b. It's uh, it's about taking on a responsibility, and um, what I mean by that is the more I I think the more years that I put in, and the more years that I play, I think the more people um, tend to flock and and watch, uh, watch what I'm doing, and I, I. my whole motive for everything I kind of put out on social media is to, like I said, inspire, right? Like I seek to inspire any, any opportunity, any chance that I get, I see, I seek to motivate any chance and opportunity that I get. Um, and I think that's kind of what fuels my, my passion for doing it for an extended period of time is because, you know, you, you meet great people along the way. And I think now with social media and the, the way we're so connected in this society, um, I can definitely use that for good. Right. And like in, inspire as many as many people as I, I come into contact with, man. And um and and being able to be somebody that has the power and has been blessed with the platform to positively affect someone's life. You know, I mean, shoot, dude, that's you know, that's bigger than baseball, right there. So I guess those are kind of my motives.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hey, man, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, make sure to go follow Robbie at Robbie Twelve on Instagram. Um, Robbie, again, man, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, dog, I appreciate you, dude. This was fun. And for those of you who uh stuck around and, and listened to my hideous voice, um I wanted I want you guys to know that I will be uh flipping this podcast, so I'll be the host of the next one. And uh you and I will we'll have to we'll have to coordinate a time for that off the air. But uh so be um be on the lookout for part dose. Wait, That's right. dose and part deuce <laughs> uh, so yeah man it's been an absolute pleasure I appreciate you having me on and uh, for those of you listening you can follow me like you said on Instagram RobbieRowe12 um, I'm also on Twitter at Row underscore one two and um, just uh, The Robbie Rowe Show is my my podcast and my website is com. so again thanks brother for everything and uh, look forward to look forward to part two brother